The reading is Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 22, and can be found on page 1102 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. So Acts 9, starting at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple there named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ros, thank you for reading that. Uh, chapter 9, open in front of you, as Tim said, we're continuing our series uh, working through uh, the book of Acts, uh, and this is uh, a key point. So why don't we pray as we come uh, to think about it. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come uh, and read how your church started uh, in the book of Acts. And as we do that, we pray give you give us confidence in you uh, and that your work is continuing today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things uh, I like to uh, do, and this may be a bit sad, I don't know, but I like looking at books like this, uh, Days That Changed the World, the 50 Defining Events of World History, you know, whether it's books uh, or web articles, the ones that try to tell you which are the most important and significant uh, events in history. You, you normally get kind of similar things in them, so modern day you get things like the World Wars, uh, 9-11, um, uh, what else? You get things like uh, the fall of Berlin Wall, the moon landing. Uh, going back a bit further, things like Christopher Columbus's discoveries, Julius Caesar's assassination, if you go back further still. Uh, I'll be honest, this is the only one I own, because mostly I just want to look at a contents page uh, to find out which events that they uh, include. Uh, I rarely read all the, uh, all the details. Uh, but it's interesting, isn't it? What are the most uh, significant events in history? What would you put on your list? Now, I'm not a good enough historian to know exactly everything that I would uh, put on. But I wonder if uh, Saul's conversion here in chapter 9 would make my list. Think about it for a moment. Saul, who later became Paul, and I guarantee at some point in the sermon I'm going to say Paul when I mean to say Saul, but bear with me. Uh, Saul, who later became Paul, uh, is the man who spearheaded the spread of Christianity about the known world at that time. Even though he wasn't one of the original 11 apostles, he was given this commission to take the gospel out of its Jewish roots uh, and around the world. And despite the fierce opposition he faced, he did just that. He proclaimed the good news of Jesus uh, to people who hadn't heard of him. Uh, And many people were converted by what he said, and that cemented this new religion. He wrote uh, a good chunk of the New Testament we have here in front of us. He taught churches uh, to keep following Jesus. He taught individuals the impact the gospel made on his life uh, and their lives. And he corrected error. In fact, one guy uh, called J.S. Stewart wrote this in 1935. He said, it was Paul, more than any other, who kept the new religion pure and uncontaminated and faithful to its original object, object in days when danger and corruption were threatening it on every side. Now, I'll let you ponder if you agree with that or not, but can you see the influence that this one guy had? Uh, and it's an influence, of course, that's outlasted his lifetime. Uh, there are many who were converted uh, through Paul, who then went on to tell others uh, about Jesus. And that's continued down the centuries till we get to today. Uh, and people still read his letters in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament letters have been significant in many people's conversions. Take Luke, Martin Luther, for example. He read... Paul was converted, and that's one of the key events that kick-started the Reformation. It continues. I wonder how many people here, if we ask them, were converted by reading some of Paul's letters and having them explained to us. Here is a guy that had a massive impact in history. 
And so as we go through this uh, series, uh, looking in Acts and how the gospel spread from that first church uh, throughout to the end of the earth at that time and continues to spread today, Acts 9 is a crucial key moment in that. Uh, If you remember back early on, we had this uh, map. Uh, It's old because it's the only map I could find that had the churches on. If anyone's got a modern day, slightly updated looking one, then let me know. Uh, but this one works, so we'll go with it. Um, and we started off in, in Jerusalem, uh, and we've started to see how the gospel um, has spread. And we've got uh, to Acts 9. And Acts 9 and 10 here are the key, are key turning points, because from here, look uh, what happens. We start spreading further and further around uh, the, the known world at that time. And that's what we're going to see as we go through Acts This term. Uh, And so as we come to Acts 9, um, we've got to see it as a key event. Uh, Luke did. Actually, Luke records Saul's conversion not once, but three times in the Gospel of Acts. Uh, Firstly, here in Acts 9, as we're, we're looking at as the actual event, and then twice in Acts 22 and Acts 26, as Paul's words looking back on this event. See, whichever angle you come at it, Saul's conversion is significant in Acts, in the spread of the gospel, in the history of the world. But as we look at Acts 9, another thing becomes clear. This great uh, event, this great expansion of the gospel is all done by God. We saw last week, if you were with us, that the the spread of the gospel is is all under the control uh, of God. In fact, the main purpose of Acts is to make us certain that Jesus is still working to build his kingdom. See, Jesus is always the hero, always the emphasis uh, when we read the page of Acts. And it's no difference here in Acts 9. Uh, A significant event brought about by the Lord Jesus. And so as we look uh, at this site, I want us to see two things that are going to teach us about how God worked through Saul's conversion. They're going to teach us about God's character, uh, and they're going to teach us about the way he continues to work as his kingdom is established today. So firstly, we're going to see that the grace given uh, by God, uh, grace being God's goodness to people who don't deserve it. And secondly, we're going to see the change that that makes in people's lives. So uh, God intervenes by his grace in verses 1 to 9. Now, as we begin chapter 9, uh, let's look at it again, verse 1 and 2. Uh, we, Luke wants us, the writer, that is Luke, wants us to be sure what Saul is, was like. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul, it's fair to say, is a man on a mission. He's a man determined to forcefully stop the spread of this new message. He's got a mission to just wipe it out completely. Uh, we first saw, saw at the start of chapter 8, in verse 1, he weighed approved of the killing uh, of Stephen. 
And now it's like he's taking these matters into his own hands. I I think if you piece these things together, what's happened is uh, in the last chapter we saw that some Christians were scattered from Jerusalem. Uh, And some of those who were scattered must have uh, headed north uh, to Damascus. Uh, And Saul knew that they were there. Uh, And so he seeks the permission to go and arrest uh, these Christians first. Now, now let's get that in perspective. I Google Maps the journey from Jerusalem to Damascus. Okay, so in modern day terms, as you can see, it's 179 miles, and that's 60 hours of walking. Now, I imagine the walking conditions today are probably a little bit better, um, and so it probably took Saul a bit longer. Bear in mind as well that he wouldn't have been able to travel when it was dark because it wouldn't have been safe. You're basically looking at a pretty long journey. In fact, one commentator reckons it would have taken him a week to go from Jerusalem to Damascus. That's how much effort Saul was willing to put in to find and persecute Christians. He was absolutely intent on doing so. You can see that there. It, is, it was Saul, in verse 2, who asked for the lesson. He sought permission from the, the high priest to go up to Damascus to stop them. In a way, he describes it in the rest of the New Testament. We know he was intent on persecuting the church. Saul was a guy that wouldn't have chosen Jesus. In fact, he was doing everything he could to stop him. He's one of those people where, if we look at humanly, Uh, we think, how is this person ever going to come to know Christ? But that's the point of grace. It's not about what we've done. It's not achieved. It's all about what Jesus does. See, grace is undeserved. There's no way you'd look at Saul and think he deserved anything from God's. But as we see, God has plans. Uh, but that, that idea of grace being the serve, that still continues today as Jesus establishes his kingdom. We may not have been as bad as Saul, but we didn't deserve God to intervene in our lives. In our own ways, we were working against God's plans, ignoring him, rejecting Jesus, sending out our own mission, whatever that might be. And we will never have earned our salvation. Not before God intervened by his grace and gave us that undeserved lifeline out of the mess we were making. It's true of Saul and it's true of us. Saul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Saul. Look at verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You see that the, the, that question there? It's not why do you persecute the church, not why do you persecute Christians. Why do you persecute me? Persecuting the church is persecuting Christ. See, Jesus is united with his people so much uh, that he's hurt when we're hurt. And that's an amazing reassurance, isn't it? If you've ever been persecuted your faith, or if you ever will be in the future. Jesus knows what it's like. 
He, of course, went through it on the cross. But also, he feels it now. He's in it with you. Why do you persecute me? And Saul's response, well, it's not to try and defend himself, but he he says, verse 5, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replies. See, that light that Saul saw was the glory of Jesus. That the voice that Saul heard was the words of Jesus. The risen Jesus is calling Saul by name. This can't be written off as a subjective vision like a mirage in the desert. This is the objective reality that Saul refers to again and again and again in his writings. He heard the risen Jesus. He was called by the risen Jesus. Because that's what grace does. Grace shows us Jesus. For Paul, Saul, you see, I said I'd do it. For Saul, he literally saw Jesus. But it continues today as Jesus establishes kingdom still. Because through grace we see Jesus figuratively. We suddenly get this new realization of who Jesus is, that he is the risen and reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. It may not be in some uh, blinding light experience like Saul had, but however it happens, when God intervenes by his grace, it's so we would see Jesus. Now, what Saul's companions must have been thinking on this Damascus road, we can only guess. They heard the noise, but they couldn't see anyone. And as Saul picks himself up from the ground, well, he couldn't see anything. Verse 8, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. Here is Saul being led into Damascus. He thought he would enter proud. He thought he would enter on this great mission. He he thought he would enter to stamp out uh, Christianity and his self-confidence of the persecution he was going to bring. He thought that's the way he entered. Instead, he enters humbly, captive to the very Christ he set out to oppose. Grace humbles us. That continues today too, as Jesus established his kingdom. Saul was humbled in that big way. For us, it might be smaller, but whatever it is, it's that realization it's not about us. It's not about our achievements. It's not about our power. It's about God. It's about his achievements in Christ and his power to save. Can you see? There's lots uh, we could uh, go through and say, that is not typical of a conversion story uh, when we look at Saul. And there is lots that is unique to him. But there's also lots that teach us about God, his character and the way he still chooses to work. These are lessons Saul had to learn in a big way, but they're lessons we've all got to learn. Grace is undeserved. Grace shows us Jesus. And grace humbles us. 
And grace, as we'll see, does one other big thing. God, by his grace, changes us. That's what we see as we move, as the story moves into Damascus from verses 10 to 22. See, in Damascus, uh, in verse 10, there's this uh, guy called Ananias. Uh, He's kind of almost a forgotten person in this story. And he's just going about his normal life. And when the Lord speaks to him in a vision, verse 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Pretty specific instructions, aren't they? Uh, you know exactly what house you must go to on exactly which streets, not imaginatively named Straight Street. Uh, in my head, I really hope it was curvy. Um, but apparently it was straight. Uh, and he was even told what Saul would be doing. He'd be praying. In fact, I wonder if uh, that's actually a hint of Saul's changed life. Of, uh, Saul was praying. Uh, he'd been fasting for three days as well. Uh, we see. Now, of course, he would have done all that before. Yeah, he was the, uh, the, the best of that kind of thing in, in many ways. But the way that it's just kind of dropped in here by Luke makes me wonder if... It, this is somewhere di- somehow different. Perhaps praying with a new faith as he's given a vision of Elias coming. But all those instructions that are given to Ananias, there's one thing that understandably he focuses on. It's who he's got to go and see. It's a bit like asking a Jew in Nazi Germany to walk up to Hitler. It's an understandable concern that Anais has in verses 13 and 14. But God counters that concern in an amazing way. Verses 15 and 16, Anais is the first person to be told of God's amazing plan for Saul. This radical change that's going to happen. Have a look at verse 15. But the Lord said to Anais, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. See, we know what Ananias couldn't. As crazy as it sounded to Ananias as he heard those words, that's exactly what happened to Saul. By the time we get to the end of Acts, we will have seen Saul proclaim Jesus to Gentiles, to kings, to Jews. We will have seen him suffer for, the, uh, for his name. We will have seen the gospel go to the ends of the earth. See, God changes people by his grace. And he changed Saul from a persecutor to a proclaimer. So Anias goes. He finds Saul exactly where he said he'd be. You kind of imagine him enter slowly into the room, wondering what he might find. There's Saul sitting there praying. Of course, not seeing Ananias. He couldn't see anything. Ananias moves slowly towards Saul, slightly nervously, touches him. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And then look at verse 18, what happens immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. Saul could see. And not just literally see, uh, of course that is true, but spiritually see. His blindness had been uh, lifted. He could see who Jesus is. We can we know that from the way that he got up and was baptised. His new life began. This is now a changed man. And if anyone's in any doubt that Saul was changed uh, and now radically different, look at verse 20. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. The man who'd come to Damascus to wipe out Christianity is now the man who's calling people to come to Christianity. From persecutor to proclaimer. Jesus had taken his most fiercest enemy uh, and changed him into one of his boldest allies. That's because Jesus is more powerful than even his fiercest enemy, isn't it? And, And Saul continues to proclaim the gospel. Despite opposition he faces, he continues to do it. Uh, And look where it leaves the church. A verse we didn't read, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Placed strategically throughout Acts uh, are these key kind of growth markers that indicate how the church expanded. Um, and they come at one or two points, either when there is significant growth or a significant event. So Luke's put them there um, for us to spot uh, and look for them as we, as we read through Acts. And this is one of the markers. Because it's a significant event, as we said at the start. See, from this point onwards, the message uh, flies around the Gentile world. What a contrast to how the chapter begins. But that's what God does when he intervenes by his grace to change people. And that continues today as Jesus establishes his kingdom. People are uh, are changed, uh, as many of us can um, testify to, from persecutors or, or at least rejecters of Jesus to proclaimers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when when you look back over your life, can you see the times when God's intervened by his grace? Can you see those times where he's changed us? Changed us from uh, a persecutor or a rejecter to a reclaimer of Christ. Now some of us, I'm sure there'll be huge examples like Saul had. Many of us, I'm sure it'd be the small things started first at conversion, but continue to change us as we see God's grace work in our lives. I wonder how often we stop to think about those things. How often we stop to give thanks. I'm going to take the opportunity to do that now. I'm going to give you a minute uh, to think through these two questions. When have we seen God intervene by his grace in our lives? And how has that changed us? If you're not a Christian, uh, you're very welcome. Maybe think about how you've seen God's work or impact someone else's life.
Uh, and when you've thought through uh, those questions, uh, then maybe take some time to silently pray, giving thanks to God for what he's done. We know that that's something that Saul did many times. He writes about it in his letters. So let's take that opportunity now. So a minute's silence to think back how God has worked in our lives to change us. that's exactly a minute, so I'm going to interrupt you. But perhaps if you'd like to, you could chat about those over foods uh, later with someone. Share, encourage people with the ways uh, that you've seen that, because God's grace is incredible. It's undeserved. It shows us Jesus. It humbles us. Ultimately, it changes us. It changes us to be proclaimers of Christ. We've seen that in Saul's life, and I hope you've been reminded of it in your life. And if God can do that in someone like Saul, if God can do that in people like us, then he's going to continue to do it as he continues to establish his kingdom. We can be sure of that. Jesus is still at work. His kingdom is still being built. All for his praise and glory. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for those times that we can remember where you've intervened by your grace in our lives and you've changed us. Lord, thank you for those times that we've forgotten where you've done that, but we know there will be many that you have. Lord, as we saw in Saul's life, the impact that it made uh, and how thankful he was to you for revealing Christ to him. We pray to you that we would be thankful people. Thank you. Uh, thankful for you revealing Christ to us uh, and thankful for the ways you continue to work in our lives, changing us to be proclaimers of Christ. So that we give you the praise and glory this evening. Amen.